Welcome to Bear Creek AG's online service podcast. We're so glad that you tuned in with us today. We upload a new service every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. So we look forward to having you tune in with us again. Here's today's message. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for, like I said, God's not done. So please, God's not done. This is just... This is just prep for the word. Remember I preached a couple weeks ago about the ground? You start protecting the word right now that you're about to hear because your your stomach is going to start groaning and it's not going to be the spirit, okay? All right? And you're going to have to humble yourself to the word. And you're going to have to let the things of this world that's going to strangle out what God's about to speak to you. And you've got to make sure that you have good ground for the word. Does that make sense? Remember, I preached that. Don't make me preach it again. Because you're going to get the same seed, it's the Word, and you got the same sower, which is the Holy Spirit through me. The difference in that parable is what the person did with the Word, with the seed. So I'm hoping today you'll take this seed because God's prepared us for it. Amen. Amen. Hey, guys. Do you know what the greatest compliment is today for you guys? Not that you're looking for compliments. It's the fact nobody had to get up and say, Hey, our youth band is playing today because you know why you really can't tell the difference between these guys and and the ones who are normally up here amen let's don't give them applause let's give God praise for their for the talents and the gifts and the anointing he placed upon them thank you guys so much so much for leading us into the presence of the Lord somebody got married last week and had to have two Sundays off I don't know what that's all about so they are the newlyweds are on their way back um turning your Bibles to Acts chapter 6 um I'm not going to mention the time. You've already looked at your watches when I told you you turned your watches and your clocks off. So I know you know what time it is. And I don't want to rush through this today. I'm going to be preaching the next couple of weeks on this subject. But today is definitely a very foundational message for you. So Acts chapter 1. I heard the other day this story, this mom telling the story how her and her son were entering service. And her mom reminded her son he needed to be quiet in service. And, and asked, do you understand why, son? Do you understand why it's important that you be reverent and quiet in church? And, and the young boy, about five years old, says, of course I do, Mom, of course. He replied, it's because people are sleeping. <laughs> Hopefully today you're not going to be sleeping when we finish here today. So, But um, I'm going to be preaching on the Holy Spirit. But before we get to my message, I just got a quick little testimony. We're going to show video here of, of somebody's encounter with the Holy Spirit. It's a great testimony. Go ahead, guys. I had a dear friend, his name was Albert, and Albert had gotten hooked on drugs, but he heard about how God had changed my life, and he came to see me one day, and he was high, he was hooked on heroin, and he came to see me, and we talked, and I prayed for Albert, and he left. A few days later, a few weeks later, I saw him, and he was high again, and I said, Albert, tell me what happened after we prayed, and he said, I'm going to tell you something. I have quit drugs before, but I've always had issues, stomach problems, and it's the issues that you go through when you quit using heroin. He said, but when you prayed for me for three days, I never had any, it was like I was brand new. He said, but then I made a choice to go back. And I realized probably for the first time in my life that I personally had experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit as I prayed over my friend, Albert. And since that time, I've had the incredible privilege of praying for a whole lot of people, that God would deliver them, that God would free them, that God would mend broken relationships, that God would restore relationships that have been broken as a result of their actions or the actions of others against them. The Holy Spirit, He's real. Amen. When you hear the term baptism in the Holy Spirit, when, when you hear that term or people hear it, uh, it has a tendency to raise up within us different emotions. Okay? I'm going to take my time here this morning. It raises up different emotions, uh, depending, depending on who you are, depending on your background. 
For some, the first thing that pops to your mind is someone speaking in tongues. And think about it. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. What's the first thing? First thing is something you've seen. You witnessed several people today operating with the gifts. We had words of knowledge. We had words of wisdom. We had tongues and interpretation. I mean, we had a lot of the gifts in operation today. You may not see them as such, but that's what was happening today. And so for some of you, when you see it, that's what you think of, or maybe someone running up and down the aisles, right? It's a joke among Pentecostals. I tell them all the time. People come, I tell them, yeah, I, I, I had a guy, he was here. I am just told you I'm going to take my time. I like to use humor, and this is a true story. I had a guy one time come through this church, and he was looking at, to do a contract or do something, and he made mention that he was, he was Catholic. His background was, was Catholic, and, and not that they're right, we're wrong, or we're wrong, they're right, but their, their idea of the sanctuary is a little bit more reverent than what we are. And so we were going to cut through here. He, he was a little hesitant. And I said, what's wrong? He said, well, that's the, that's the sanctuary. I said, yes, yeah, okay, let's go, because it's really quicker to go this way than around. And I made the joke to him. I said, well, don't worry about it. I said, we don't have the snakes in here right now. <laughs> now, we did lose one the other day. If you see him, let me know. But most of them are boxed up. You know, his eyes got this big, you know. And I said, we took the chandeliers out because people kept hanging from them, right? Because why? People get a preconceived idea of what? Pentecost is, or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and so you get in your mind that's set to speak in tongues, or running around, or someone falling on the floor, and there seems to be this sense, now look, I'm not here to offend, and um, I'm not worried about losing my credentials today, but I'm just going to be very blunt with you. We get the sense of this atmosphere of uncontrollability, and even chaos, and I will tell you today that that's not biblical. I'm not correcting what's happened here today. This, it's, I think God did all orchestrated all that he did because he's God, he's sovereign, he's going to do. And I believe this message is of him. I'm going to set a foundation to build upon today. And so with that, you probably, if that, depending on your background, I mean, let's face it, I was raised in a Pentecostal church. This is just second nature to me. If it doesn't happen, I'm surprised and disappointed. Come on, somebody. I, that was a good place to amen me, folks. That's disappointing when God doesn't necessarily move within the gifts and operations. Because as I see the book, uh, uh, the book of Corinthians where Paul talks about, you should come prepared to use your gifts when we meet together. Now, he limits it. Okay, only three or four tongues. Why? Because of the fact that the service has to move on. Things have to progress. But the idea of it, but if that's you, though, you get the sense of if, if you're uncomfortable with it. And, and can I just be very transparent? Sometimes there's a weirdness to it if you weren't raised in it. Come on, it's not like you're, well, I shouldn't say that. You can go almost anywhere in the United States. This is, this is not a political statement. This is not a knock. It's a truth. You can go many places in, in our country, even in our area, and you'll hear people speaking in other languages that you don't know because we are multicultural. But there's something about it when it's of God. It's like mysterious and odd because it's supernatural. And so with it, you, you may not have been around it. You may even question whether it's needed. And you may even question here, you may be here today, you may be questioning whether it's even real. Let's be truthful today. You, you don't, you just, you're, okay, this is weird, right? And a lot of it has to do with the uncontrollability side of it, where it seems like it's not able to be controlled. For others, it's a reminder of something that once happened to you. When I say baptism of the Holy Spirit, you may go back to your youth, uh, your childhood, whether it was at camp or the evangelist came through, and, and, and there was just a great move of God. And, and let's face it, we have taught, and it's not wrong, that our children, you should be saved, you should be baptized in water, and then the next logical step is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The problem is with that is we've taught that, but we haven't built upon that foundation. So what has happened is the baptism of the Holy Spirit has become just like an event at water baptism. It's something that happens just once, and it's just another notch on my, my Bible cover that I've done it. But the reality of it is, is you never developed that the gifts that God has given you or research or sought out the gifts. I mean, according to Paul, we should desire all gifts. Now, he does talk about prophecy because it edifies. We should be looking at the gifts that edify the body. But trust me, there's plenty of gifts out there that you could be seeking after, asking for. I ask for all of them. Why not ask for all of them? Now, it's God who gives as he sees fit, the Holy Spirit. But why not ask for all of them? In a time that someone needs a word of wisdom, why not, God? Right now, speak through me and let me give a word of wisdom. If it's a word of knowledge, hey, I need to let you know about something that God's laid on my heart. And what's happened is, is we've confined it to the 
four walls of the church, and it was never intended to be kept inside the four walls of the church. It's actually something that God has given us as the people of God to be out in the marketplace, not being weird, but using your gifts to speak to people into people's lives. You mean to tell me if you came up to somebody who was dying from cancer that wasn't saved or didn't believe in the Pentecostal power of the Holy Spirit within us, if you laid hands on them this healed, they wouldn't receive it, wouldn't want it? See? But because it's something that happened to you one time, you've never developed that. You've just, okay, it's just something that you, you do. You experienced it, and so you move on. It was just a check mark. For a small percentage of people today, when you hear the term baptism in the Holy Spirit or baptizing the Holy Spirit, it takes you back to a moment in your life that changed you forever. It's something that happened to you when you were empowered, but it became more than an event. From that moment on, it has been part of your daily walk with God. And, and because of that, you go back to that flow, back to that power source, back to that conduit on a regular basis to what? To empower you to live the life that God intends for you to live. See? We've, we've made it something that Jack Sparrow would do, right? Excuse me, Captain Jack Sparrow would do, right? Mysterious and weird. But there was nothing weird about it as I read the New Testament. See, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is real and is more than a one-time event in the Christian's life. It's actually a critical part of any Christian's walk. I can tell you it's very critical. What alarms me is that fewer and fewer Christians, even within the Pentecostal churches, are seeking it, are open to it. And before long, what it's going to become is going to become an old dusty doctrine, but there'll be no practice in it. Now, what I mean by practice is literally doing it. That concerns me, church. Now, I'm going to get to the practical. Well, this is very practical, but I've got to let a foundation for the next couple of weeks. I don't want to just assume everybody believes the way I do. I don't want to assume everybody understands. That's the, that's the idea of the next couple of weeks. Is I want to put to bed some of the myths, and I want to answer the questions that you may have so that when we're done in a couple of weeks, it, well, even today you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can step back and say, you know what? I understand it a little bit more. Now, trust me, you don't have to understand it to get it, to receive it, though. I'm not talking about just a head knowledge. I'm talking about anything that may prevent you from being open to it so then now you can be open to God to baptize the Holy Spirit because if you're a Christian, you need it. And I'm going to get to that in just a moment here. See, over in Acts chapter 1, the scripture we're about to read, it's the early, it's the, uh, about before the church is to be given birth to. There's this, it's this transitional moment uh, that's happening right after Jesus has come back to life. Jesus has died on the cross, lay in the grave for three days, has rose again. And we, we, we've, we've taken the, the day of Pentecost and we've made it ours as Pentecostals. But before it became the day of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it was actually a festival of harvest. And it's interesting that God would use the celebration of harvest to, out, to pour out His Spirit and give birth to His church. But Pentecost literally just means 50. And so it's 50 days from Passover, which was the holiday celebration festival that Jesus was celebrating that he was crucified on. Okay, I'm, 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 if you was here for Easter, go back. It's online. You can, read, you can listen to all that. And so with it, Jesus is walking around. The Bible says he was teaching his disciples. He's about to go be with the Father. So it's like, okay, I need to give you some last instructions. I need to tell you a little bit more about the kingdom. I didn't indulge everything in you, but here we go. I'm going to leave it out here. And here he is sitting with his disciples, and they sense within them this is a transitional moment. And, and as they look to the future with a new understanding of what's happened, because Jesus has now come back to life, they have a question for Jesus. They have this question for him. That for three years, they followed him with the hopes that he would be the Messiah, and he is. But their idea of Messiah was he's going to become a conquering Messiah. He would come in, and he would defeat the Romans, and he would reestablish Israel as a national power in the world as they once were under King David and even Solomon. And so this is their hopes and their dreams. And, and they're saying, listen, this is a transitional moment, and, and we, we know that you're here to establish your kingdom. And they expected that Jesus would do it at this time. His messianic fulfillment, his coming to be the king over everything was really their hopes and was their dreams that basically God would fix all the stuff that's broken. Just fix it all, Lord, and listen to the question in verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, here, they feel it, there's something happening here. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Restore the kingdom to Israel. Now, we can relate to that question, can't we? Now, we're not necessarily looking for God to restore the kingdom 
of Israel back over the world. But many of us are looking for God to restore America back to its prominent place, aren't we? This isn't a political message today, but just I know, I know the heartbeat of the church today, and it's a real thing, and I, and I want Christian leaders, and I want that. But that, that's what we're hoping God will do. See, we want God to fix all our problems. I mean, just look around. The pandemic that's decimated our world. I would love for God to fix that. Wouldn't you? Come on. I mean, just, just look at, I already mentioned the liberals running the country. I would love for God to, to fix them. I mean, fix that. Fix that. Come on, somebody. Uh, the moral decline of our nation. I, I want God to fix that, right? The cyber attacks are coming uh, uh, from our outside enemies. Think about the gas fear that took place this week, right? I mean, just think about it. North Korea launching more test rockets in effort to develop a rocket to deliver a nuclear payload to their enemies. I mean, there's tension. God, God fixed that. Iran developing weapons-grade uh, nuclear weapons. Look at what's happening in Israel. We need to be praying for the peace of Jerusalem. That's biblical. Look what's happening. Thousands of rockets are being launched. People are being killed. Israel, as of the day, are about to release the army and do a ground attack against Hamas. Who's behind Hamas? Iran. And Iran's developing nuclear weapons. It's not long. Listen, the world's going to come against Israel before long. They already are for the most part. But I know you don't want to hear this, but as I read, as I read prophecy, sooner or later, every nation's going to have to turn its back on Israel, including us. I'm not saying it's today, but we're headed in that direction. Come on, people. You hear me, saints, today. We want God to fix it. Our future looks grim because our world is broken and his need, if you excuse my southern vernacular, needs fixing. The world needs fixing. And this is the thought they had, the disciples, that everything that was broken in their lives, now Jesus is going to fix because he is risen from the dead. If he beat death, then certainly he could fix what's wrong on the planet. Yeah. To them, this was the logical time. So they asked the question, are you now going to restore Israel because this is what we've been waiting for? Is this what the, the, you know, what does the future hold for us, Father, Lord? And look at what Jesus says in verse 7. He said to them, yep, I'm going to fix everything you have. Everything's going to go away. Everything's going to be perfect. It's going to be peace on earth right now. No, no, no. You're going to have more sheep. You're going to know how to feed. No, 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 no. You're going to have more babies. You're going to have to build bigger houses. No, no, it's not that. You're all going to drive nice cars. There will never be a gas shortage. No. You're going to own a private plane. No, I don't see that in here either. He said, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by His own authority. See. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. By the way, that is our mission statement. By, by the way, if you didn't know what our mission statement is, is, this is our Jerusalem. Bay County is our Judea. United States is our Samaria, and we support missionaries around the world as well. We do it all. And this is what the Lord told them. Lord, is it time? Are you going to do it now? And he says, it's not for you to know. Let me say this. Whenever you seek God for answers about the future, He very rarely lets you know the future. It may give you a little vagueness. It gives us, it gives us the apocalypse. It gives us revelation to let us know what it's going to be like. There's prophecy in the Old Testament that speaks to it. Even Jesus said at end times there are going to be people to be lovers of themselves, and I think we're there. So he gives, But the reality, He doesn't give us a lot about the future because it's not that He's not so much concerned about the future as He's concerned about the presence for us, see? And to be honest with you, if he told you about the future, it wouldn't help your case or your scenario, would it? If anything, it would probably raise more anxiety in your life. If he told you next week you're going to have a bad car accident and you're going to break a leg and you're going to be laid up in the hospital and while you're there you're going to get COVID and you're going to be there. I mean, would that really help you? Of course it wouldn't. Come on, people. Of course not. So God doesn't reveal everything. Matter of fact, the more he tells you, I could actually say the more complicated it could be because then you're going to try to avoid the things that God actually has in store for you in the future. And you're going to try to fix things out of your own power. And, and God said, don't worry about the future. Don't worry about tomorrow. Right now, what's most important is this moment. Amen. At this moment, okay? He says, you're not to know. Don't worry about it. 
But let me direct you what is important. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Now, the word witness right here literally means the disciples were supposed to be witness to what they had seen. What had they seen? They seen God perform, Jesus perform miracles. They had seen him die on the cross. They knew that he had risen again. So they were to testify of what they had seen. Amen? And the power of the Holy Spirit was to give them the capacity, the power, the boldness to do that. You know what I have found out? Jesus is still alive today. He's not dead. He didn't die, right? He's still alive today, still doing miracles today. Oh, I got that was a good place for y'all to amen, even if it's out of faith. Come on. He's still doing miracles today, isn't he? He's alive and he's doing miracles today. Amen. And, and so we're witnessing these things and we're called to testify to these things today. We can talk about Jesus died on the cross. But how often do you tell somebody who's unsaved or who's going through a trouble, Jesus is alive today, he's alive today, hear me, he's alive today, and he still is doing miracles today in the presence of humanity. He is. Every day he is doing miraculous things. So the power of the Holy Spirit gives us the capacity to do that today just like it did for the disciples. Now, here's something I found out. Confidence comes not from knowing the subsistence, specifics about the future my confidence isn't knowing what the specifics about future but it comes rather from knowing the source of who to go to and where i can find strength and and no matter what i'm going through if the disciples had known about their future all but one of them died a martyr's death and poor old john he was he was out on patmos he was exiled to an island it wasn't it wasn't gilligan's island and it wasn't fantasy island right wasn't Survivor. I guess it could have been Survivor Island. I don't know. If he told them that, that may have, hey, I'm not doing this, right? But he didn't. Instead, he said, listen, you go and you wait because the Holy Spirit's going to come up on you, and I'm going to empower you to be my, to go and do the things that I have called and told you to do. No matter what happens, what comes, you're going to be fearless. You're going to be overcomers. You will be able to do everything I told you I could do while I was alive here on earth with you. You, you could do all things through me. See, th- th- this is what this is about, see. They, the, they've already proven that they couldn't do it out of their own strength. Other than John, who was present while Jesus was hanging on the cross. John's the only one we know, and he, as we know, was a young man. He wasn't a very old man. He was probably maybe 14, 15-year-old. We, we guesstimate about that age group, at age. All the rest of them, what they do, they ran. Do you hear what I'm trying to tell you today? See, they, they, they tried to do it on their own. They couldn't. What happens to you when, whenever it happens, if you, if you know who to go to, if you have a relationship with God of the universe who you know is on your side, if you're living in relationship with the Holy Spirit, there's a source of life, wisdom, and grace, and yes, power that, can, that, that, can live, that you can live from. See, So it's better to know the source than it is to know the specifics. It's better to be plugged into the source than to know all the details. The very thing that will give you peace is not more understanding about what's happening next. It's about knowing the one who will be there when you, no matter what you face next. See, see, it bothers me today how we undervalue, I think is the best word to use here, our need for the Holy Spirit in our lives daily. Daily, see. Uh, we often live out of our own strength. And because you are, that's why you have the messes you have in your life. That's why you can't break some of the habits that you have. And some of the fear you can't overcome. Some of the anxiety that you're facing. All that's real. I'm not denying the realness of it. But if I read my scriptures correctly, I can have a power within me that overcomes the world. That overcomes it all, see. See, that's the role and the power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of a believer. When we face challenges, we try to solve them with our striving and our worrying and manipulating to make things happen. We forget how much we need the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. You have to know the source and plug into it. Look what Acts 1, 4, and 5 says. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 4. He says, Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with 
the Holy Spirit. And to paraphrase Jesus, he says, listen, don't pass go. Don't collect $200. I want you to go make some time. Make some space in your life. Spend some time and wait. Wait. Wait for the gift of my Father. Wait for the outpouring of my Spirit. You think you can do this without me. I know that you're excited that you've seen me in the flesh. I know that you're excited that you saw the nail prints and I'm breathing and I'm alive. I know you're glad to see the miracles that i performed since I've risen from the dead. I know in your mind you feel like you can go tell this message and people will listen and it will change your life. But can I tell you, disciples, there's no way. You need to wait. What you are about to do is so important, you better wait on the power of the Holy Spirit. The word you speak will be the power of life and death. You better have my Spirit empowering you to know what to say. It is so important, I'm going to send you into death's face. You're going to face death, you're going to face persecution, you're going to be hungry, you're going to be naked, you're going to be beaten, you're going to be stoned, you're going to be crucified, you're going to be hung out to dry. That's why you cannot go until you have the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not about the gifts necessarily. It really is. That, I look at it this way. I'm a dessert guy. I usually eat dessert first. Amen. Life's too short. <laughs> Praise God. There's a few believers in here. Praise God. Bless you. May the Lord bless you with many, many coconut pies and banana pudding. Right? But the reality of it is, it's, 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 the gifts are like the dessert. Not, dis, not diminishing the gifts. Not diminishing the gifts. But for me as a follower of Christ and baptized in the Holy Spirit on a day-to-day basis, not as your pastor, but just trying to live a Christian life in the face of the culture we live, the gifts are wonderful, but it's about the power. That's, that's the meat for me. Because let's face it, if you don't have the power to live your life for God and culture, chances are you're not going to use your gifts. Oh, you might use them in the safety of the church. You're not going to use them where God intended to use them. And that's what they did. They made some time and some space, and the Holy Spirit showed up and empowered them. And you'll see uh, this as you read the book of Acts. The places they went, the things that they've done, I've mentioned a few of them. They could not have been done without the power of the Holy Spirit working in them. The need, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, and here's the thing. Understand, that's, this is my first point, and it's going to pick up from here. You need it too. You need it too. It is the baptism of the Holy Spirit that gives you the power to live the life that Jesus died to give you. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and abundant life. And it's not too many chapters later. It's, it's urgent that I leave. Why? So that you could get, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit to give you the power to live the life that He died for you, to give to you. See? Salvation gets you to heaven. The baptism, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit gives you the power to live here. See? Are, are you with me? I told you I'm going to take my time here. I need to make sure you understand this because we've missed it. Somewhere along the line, the teaching has not been foundational or something because we've, we've missed this. Now, that's why every believer or follower in Christ needs to have an experience for the Holy Spirit to live the life Jesus wants you to live. There's no better example of the power of the Holy Spirit than the life of Simon Peter. I'm not going to go into it for time, but you know, before he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, the night that... Jesus was betrayed three times. He denied Christ under the face of persecution. Then the day of Pentecost comes. He's empowered with the Holy Spirit. Come on. You go over to the book, book of Acts chapter 4. You're going to find him and John have been in prison for preaching Christ. See? He stood before the Sanhedrin. He's put in jail and standing before the Sanhedrin. That's the same ruling council, religious council, that just crucified Jesus maybe a couple months before. I don't know the exact time frame, but several months before. The difference, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In front of the same people he feared on the night Jesus was betrayed, he is now confronting and said, listen, it's better for me to obey God. 
I, I can't help. He says, we can't, if you read it, I won't go there. Just try. We can't help but tell about all that Jesus has done. We can't help but live out this life and preach this gospel. When we see someone hurting, we see someone hopeless, we see someone in need, we go to them in the name of Jesus, Sammy, in love, and we act out in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit, and we tell them about the love of God and the plan that God has for them. See? We can't help but tell them. I've got to testify to what God has done. I can't stay silent. It's burning within me. Do what you want to to me. But I've got to say something. And that's, that's a changed man. What was the difference? He experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, in case you're wondering, I need to do some teaching if you don't mind here this morning. There is a difference between salvation and baptism in the Holy Spirit. You can be saved and baptized at the same time, within the same moment. I've seen people do it. It's a miraculous thing. We don't see that quite as often because, to be quite honest with you, we don't give the Holy Spirit enough time. Not that He's slow. It's more about working on us. Come on. All right? But we have to understand that because there's some that believe that when you're saved, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. No. When you're saved, you become the temple of the Most High God. When you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you, but that doesn't necessarily you have the baptism or the power that comes for that, see. And if in case you're wondering, look over at John. I want everyone to look at John chapter 20 with me. Turn quickly. Turn quickly. It's 12 o'clock if you're wondering. Your stomach's not lying to you. Good news is you all should still be on the old time, so it's only 11 o'clock in the name of Jesus. I, I want to make this point, then I'm going to give you quick three points. Okay, I, I, Not that I want to speed things up, but I understand that you guys can only listen as long as your stomachs aren't empty. And I get it. John chapter 20, verse 21 and 22. This is after Jesus has come back from the dead. He's, he's left the tomb. The rock's been moved. He's meeting with his disciples. He's speaking to them here, right here. And, he, and Jesus said this, peace be with you. I love that about Christ. When you're here in his presence, there's peace. As the Father has sent to me, I am sending you. So God, Father has sent me here to die, to be the sacrifice, to tell you, to disciple you. He sent me, now I'm sending you. I'm commissioning you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. See, up to this point, the Holy Spirit operated in the world. But the way the Holy Spirit operated within the world is he, he would come up on people. He is a person. He's not a thing. You can look at Samson. It says, and the Spirit of God came upon Samson, and he carried out the gates, or he took down the, what, the line, whatever it may be, or hundred whatever Philistines. Come upon Elijah, and Elijah would prophesy, or Elijah would do something, see. And that's the way it was. It wasn't until after Jesus died on the cross that the Holy Spirit could indwell man, because until that point, we were unrighteous. We were unclean. No matter how many animals you sacrificed, it was a temporary covering. But when Jesus came, he died on the cross. And when you receive that, apply that blood to your life, your righteousness, which is as filthy rags, is now covered by the blood or the righteousness of Christ. You're now right standing because of what Jesus did. You did nothing to earn it. You can't do anything to receive it other than to say, I receive you, Jesus. You are my Lord and my Savior. And with that now, but up to this point, the disciples weren't saved under the new covenant because Jesus hadn't died up until this moment. Understand that. I know I'm getting a little deep with, with, with the covenant, but until then, the only way to be right with God is shedding of blood. And it still was, but now it was once and for all. And so they weren't saved under the new covenant. They were still living under the law, the old covenant. And so now Jesus says, I'm dead. I've risen again. You see me. You believe me. Bless those who do not see and believe. He told that to them when, when Thomas doubted. But now you do believe. And because of that, because you believe upon me, you see me as I am who I am. I am the Messiah. I am the Savior. He says, now receive my spirit. Who, what spirit? What, who is the spirit of Christ? Come on, someone tell me, who is the Spirit of Christ? The Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And he says, now, now they are what? They are saved under the new covenant. Okay, you say, well, okay, we get that, okay? Well, then there's a, there's a second work of grace that takes place, what I call a second work of grace, okay? It's something beyond salvation. There's this second experience because these same disciples who had already received the Holy Spirit in John chapter 20, right, were with Jesus when he said, you haven't got it all. Over in Acts chapter 1, they've already been saved unless you believe they lost their salvation. I don't see that. 
First of all, I know that's an oxymoron. You don't lose your salvation. You can walk away from it, but it's not like, where did I place my salvation? <laughs> Babe, have you seen my... Check your purse. All right? I'm doing some teaching, but I need you to understand this. This is, this is biblically and theologically based right here. It goes back to the Old Testament, Joel chapter 2. The Father's going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. See? And so Jesus, this is, this, so He says, that you need to go wait. You, you need to go wait for what? It isn't salvation. It's an empowering of the Holy Spirit who already dwelt within them. Says, I, I need some nods. Does this make sense? I'm, not, I'm trying to teach you. I'm trying to show you something here. Because unless you see this as real, or unless you see this as necessary, you won't be open to it. And if you're not open to it, you won't ever receive because you've got to be willing to receive it. God doesn't force himself. He knocks. You open. He comes. You ask. He gives. Come on. And so with that, I want you to ask. I want you to receive because why? Many of you right now are living powerless lives, and that's why you're living that you're in misery the way you are. Maybe the lid that needs to be taken off your vessel, your vase, so the outpouring deluge can come in, maybe it's doubt. Maybe it's fear of what the baptism I don't want to say it's understanding because you don't. If I can see kids age 6, 7, 8 baptized in the Holy Spirit, I know it's not understanding. You don't have to logically understand it. I don't understand everything about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't get it. All of it. And I'm, and I'm educated. I got letters after my name. By the way, BS does not stand for what you think it does. Or MA. All right? Yeah, he said, look, you need to go wait because why? You have to have the power to live the life and do what I've called you to do. To live a supernatural life. Being saved and having the Holy Spirit live on the inside of you isn't enough to do to, to, to life at the level God's created you and I for. Okay? When's the last time you laid hands on someone and they healed? Why not? Ask me the same question because I'm asking God the same question. God, why not? Why not when I lay hands and believe? But it's not a manipulate. I can't manipulate God. I can only be the vessel. And be willing and step out in faith. And yes, be praying in the Spirit. Being filled over and over again. Water baptism should be once and for all. Nothing wrong with getting it again if you desire to, if you feel like you need to. I don't think God's up there saying, okay, that's three. That's all you have. You can't get it. But water, I mean, uh, spirit baptism should be on a regular basis. That's where we miss it. See, you can come here on Sundays and the Spirit of God move, and you might even pray in tongues or, or work in the gifts, but what happens is, is when you leave here Monday through Saturday, you're not praying, you're not in the Word, you're not in the Spirit, you're not being baptized, and you're being beat up by the enemy. And so you come in Sunday morning, oh, beaten, bloodied, and carny can walk, and oh, Pastor, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm thinking, uh, there again, I don't, I love you. You know I love you. So sometimes I exaggerate my emotions. But you understand my heart. I just go back and say, God, what are you going to do with these people? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I think I better move on. I got people getting up and walking out on me now. You need to experience where the Holy Spirit comes on you in power and he begins to transform you and change you. Some of you will never be transformed into the image of Christ because you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Some of y'all in here this morning hear me. This is where I guess I'm going to step on some toes. There's things in your life you want to stop and you can't stop because you do it within your power. You know it. I wish I could stop this. I wish I could quit doing it. I wish I could quit thinking this way. Oh, I wish I quit living in fear. You know what? Start living in the power of the Holy Spirit and watch all that stuff fall off you. Are there, are there any believers in the house today? I know I'm getting down here where you're at and I know the camera. Keep up with me, son. All right? We need to be a spirit-filled, empowered church. We're only as strong as our weakest link. I need every one of you who call this church home. I, I need you to believe and to be seeking daily for the infilling and the power of the Holy Spirit. The, listen, God did not call me. I'm going to say this, and then let me quantify He didn't call me to save people. First of all, I can't save people. Jesus does. But he didn't call me. He called me to train, equip, and release you to do the work of the ministry. Now, I'm one of many. But it's not my job. 
Not my job. My job is to release you, to equip you. And that's what I'm doing today. I'm educating you. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Young people, you better have it. Because you're going to be facing stuff in high school and college. I'm so alarmed at the young people from churches, Christian, good Christian, even Pentecostal churches that go into the universities and come out liberal thinking. It's scary. Why? Because we didn't do our job. They're living on the curtails of their moms and their dads, or they experienced something, but it's all, woo, that's weird, man. Or we didn't teach that they needed it. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't care if you're five or if you're 105. You, I don't care if you're 55 like me that I found out this morning. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, and I had a great illustration, but I don't know if I'm going to go there or not. A couple things I need you to know. You need to have the experience, or excuse me, I just skipped a bunch of it. It's a power, uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Verse 8. I'm going to use this illustration. We're going to close. Because I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not, I may be educated, but I'm not real bright. I'm bright, though. I am bright. My daddy calls me son. So I am bright, but. See, yeah, I need it right now. I went out this morning and cut off this branch from a tree just to kind of give you an illustration because it's really great to see the trees blooming and budding and leafing and all that kind of stuff except for the pollen but you know if you're from around here you're just glad to see something green grow that looks like a tree you know what happens in the winter time or in the springtime brother a limb like this would not have any any leaves on it no buds but something happens in the springtime where a tree from its roots the sap, the power, the life of the, tr- of the tree starts coming up. And as it comes up and it gets into these limbs, what happens is, is it starts budding and it starts growing limbs and leaves. And, and I'm not sure what kind of fruit, maybe a nut would be growing on this tree, but it would start all plants to start producing whatever kind they are, start growing it. Where, where does the power of that come from? From the inside. See, from the inside. And see, what I find so often as Christians today, we, we try to change our lives from the outside. Can the children's pastor and me come out for a minute? I could go and cut out some leaves and some limbs and tape it on here, but that's just religious, isn't it? That's just, play, that's just trying to make it. It's not part of the plan. See, the power is from the inside, as it is with Christians. When you're saved, the power of the Holy Spirit the Spirit is in you, so you have the power in you. You just got to be baptized in it. In other words, you got to take the lid off and let the Holy Spirit empower you. See? But what we like to do is we want to change the outside, hoping it changes the inside. Nothing happens on the outside until it truly happens on the inside. See? And so the power of the Holy Spirit, that's what the power of the Holy Spirit is there. It's there to be, help you be a witness. It's going to be there to help you give beyond what you believe you can give. Because you start getting supernatural faith. It's going to help you do things that you never thought you could do because you doubt it. It's, it's supernatural power and faith and belief in yourself, see. It's going to give you the power to say things to people and treat people the way they ought to be treated because we're all created in the image of God. Regardless, regardless of your favorite football team. Regardless of what letter comes after your political stance. Regardless of whether you're heterosexual, homosexual, or you don't know what your gender is. Well, y'all got quiet real quick on me there. I'm not saying accept them. I mean, I'm not saying accept their sin. I'm talking about how in the world are you going to love people in this world without the power of the Holy Spirit? Because your prejudice, your taught prejudice in the church is going to kick its head up, rear its head. I don't see Jesus. The only person Jesus really got upset with was the religious folks. I don't want to be religious. I don't want to start taking leaves and start taping them. I am a tree. See, I got a branch to prove it. See how I look? See how I act? No, no, no. Inside out. No one will question who you are if the power of the Holy Spirit is active in your life. Now, let me, one more disclaimer. You don't have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. I'm not preaching that. But all I'm going to say, without the power of the Holy Spirit, evident in your life daily, not just when camp meeting comes around, not just when evangelist comes around, not just when a certain song is played and sung. Daily in your life, you're going to see this junk in your You're going to change from the inside out. And no matter what happens in your life, you're going to have the f- power to face it. 
whether it's persecution, whether it's God-ordained, let's face it, God allows things to happen in our lives for the testing and the trying of our faith. I preached a couple weeks ago, you're never going to go to a different level spiritually in Christ without a battle. You're going to have a spiritual battle to go where God wants you to go. Message for another time, trust me. But hear me today. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're saved, that doesn't mean you have the power. There is a second work of grace. And if you're going to get hung up on whether you speak in tongues, I don't want you to focus on tongues. You need it, but not so I know you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's another thing people struggle with. There's a difference between gifts and the prayer language. And at the beginning, God wants to give you a prayer language. Why? Because your prayer language matters. But it's not a tongue, so your pastor say, yep, he's got it. Mark him down. we got another one to send into the, to the national office. We had two more people baptized. It's so, because the number one question I have most people is from people seeking it, when will I know? When you speak in another language that you don't know of. And then it should be a daily thing with you. So that's where we miss it. For you that it's that group that were baptized early in life or at one time and you really haven't operated within the gift of your prayer language, you need to. You need to. Regularly. Make that time. Allow the Holy Spirit to just invade your space and to baptize you again. I can show you the book of Acts. I won't take the time several times where, where Peter, it talks about he was filled with the Spirit. It happened on Acts chapter 2. What's that mean? He was filled again. Why? Because if you look, he's about to face something. That he needs that empowerment. You don't know what you're going to face this afternoon. You don't know what you're going to face tomorrow. You don't know. So why don't you go ahead and get your tanks filled. Get filled with the Spirit. So no matter what the enemy wants to throw at you, no matter what God wants to allow in your life, no matter what happens, whether the gas runs out, well, it don't matter. No matter if you get that bad report. Sooner or later, you're going to get a bad doctor's report. Hi, my name's Tony. I just turned 55. Hello, colonoscopy. <laughs> and I'm landing. I'm landing. I am. I'm, I'm bringing it to a close right here. I'm not saying I'm going to get a bad report. I'm not speaking that. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying sooner or later, I'm, my body's getting old. Er, thank you, brother. <laughs> thank you, Father, for filling me with the Spirit this morning. I will bite my tongue. Andy, things don't go the way that we always want them to, do they, brother? No. So, Joyce, you, would, you, you didn't ask for any of this on you physically, did you? But God's empowered you. He's empowered you. It's not like you're, you're, not like you're thankful for it, but it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, that allows you to be thankful while you go through it, see? It brings all the gospel together. Well, why, well, how, do you, how are you thankful when you're going through something? It's through the power of the Holy Spirit because He helps us see the big picture and reminds us that this is temporary. Colossians 3, or almost the whole book, focus on things above. Doesn't mean we're, we're so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. I don't mean that. I'm just talking about just know where you're going and how you're going to get there through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me put it this way. You don't have to have the baptism to get to heaven by no means. But by having it, it's going to make the journey a whole lot more adventurous in a good way. You received this today, church? I hope you received this today. If you have questions and you're afraid to ask me, you can write down anonymously questions and I'll do my best to address them for the next couple of weeks. Or I'd be more than happy to sit down privately with you. I'd be, I mean, you can buy me lunch anytime you want to. But you, you need... You need the power of the Holy Spirit, and you need to expect the Holy Spirit to come upon you. You need to expect it when you ask. Amen? Well, how do we end this thing today? God's already moved in the altars and touched lives, but I don't think I've seen anybody baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I know your tummies are grumbling, so this is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. Come on, guys. I almost wasn't going to do this, but I have a check in my spirit. How can you preach on it and not offer it? I understand the hour is getting late, so this is what I'm going to do with you, church. If it's necessary for you to leave, uh, then I'd ask you to do it quietly in just a moment. Let, let me give an altar call, and as people are responding, you, you may leave. I just don't want it to be a... I'd hate to see that one person who leaves get run over by everybody's about to come to the altar. 
That's faith in the power of the Holy Spirit right there. But I understand, you may have to go lunch plans, you may be diabetic, I get it. Don't forget the youth have lunch before you take it with you. But I do, I want, I want, and I need my prayer team, my spirit-filled, your spirit-filled prayer team, come on. I want you guys ready because I believe there's going to be more people than I can pray for up here at one time. I'll give you some directions here. As you come, I want you to stand in front of somebody. If there's more people out there need prayer than people to pray, just wait patiently. I believe in laying on of hands. I cannot necessarily theologically show that laying on of hands is, is what baptizes people, but we see that practice, and I think there is an impartation that takes place. I think I can, roundabout way, I can show that. But either way, it depends upon you to believe it. That's the key. Okay? Now, you're going to say, Pastor, I don't, uh, I'm a little, a little etching. I promise you right now, you're not going to fall through the floor unless you want to. <laughs> you're not going to run the aisles unless you want to. Please don't hang from the fans. I, I finally got them balanced, and they're not swinging anymore. But I'm going to share this with you. This is very elementary, Christian 101. How do you know that you're saved? How do you know you're saved? Well... The Bible says, if I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, then I'm saying, I've asked Jesus to come to my heart. So how do you know? I believe. Salvation is a faith-based. Okay. It's the same way with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe this. All you have to do is ask. If you're saved, all you have to do is ask and then out of faith receive. See, that's why the tongues is important. Because what's going to happen is the Holy Spirit's going to come on. He's not going to make your tongue flap around. He's not. You've got to yield. You've got to take the lid off. And open yourself up for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And when He does, you're going to get this inclination. I'm not trying to teach you how to speak in tongues. I'm just telling you how it happens. You're going to get this inclination upon you. And you will be baptized. And as you step out in obedience, the Holy Spirit will flood you. And here's the thing. I don't know how many of y'all experienced it, but when I, when this morning, right here in the altar, as the Holy Spirit baptized me again, trust me, every Sunday morning, I have to have a baptism in the Holy Spirit before I can preach among you, this mob here, trust me. It, it comes within, just like the branch. Because He's in me. He's in me. He's in you. And as He does, there's such a relief. I want a spirit-filled church, not by name, by practice. And every day as you get on your knees before the Lord and you just say, baptize me again out of faith, you start. And then you'll start developing that prayer language just like a baby develops this language in English. And for long, when you don't know how to pray, then you'll pray in the spirit and you'll be. Trust me, the more you use it, the more it grows. So here you go. If today you want it to be your day, you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Why is my prayer team over there? Get over here in the middle. Come on, come on, Brother Jim. Cheryl, come on. Come on. All right? That's you today. You want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is your invitation. Come. Let us pray for you. Amen. Amen. joining our podcast. Here at Bear Creek AG, our goal is to help others know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Have a great week.